0: Well, hey there, everybody it's your uh, friendly podcasting host dr mark list coming at you with another episode of the primary care podcast hey uh today no sponsorship but we do have an email from the primary care pod at gmail.com inbox that's where you can send me suggestions jokes etc for articles uh, things you know you know the drill by now if you haven't learned after almost 200 episodes uh, or 100 plus episodes okay yeah we'll move on okay uh, I'm not even close to 200 episodes my goodness that was an overestimation okay so uh today's joke is from the primary care pod at gmail.com inbox uh, dr list with election season coming coming up. I have a political joke for you. Hit me with it. Hit me with it, listener. I can handle it. I recently took a poll and found that 100% of the people in the tent were upset with me. That was so, so bad. Woo. All right. Let's start the episode. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast, produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Hey. Welcome back, Pod Girls, Pod Boys, Pod People. It is Dr. Mark List here at the Primary Care Podcast, uh, coming at you with another episode today. I'm going to click into the uh, the article today because oh my goodness, party people, do we have a, sp- a spicy? It's a spicy article. Oh, it's so spicy, a- and that is uh, it's not going to matter to our international listeners too much because uh, uh, you know you guys don't do this as much, but randomized control trial of screening colonoscopies, and spoiler alert, it didn't go as the colonoscopy uh, uh, f- uh, favoritists uh, uh, thought it would. Okay, so uh, New England Journal of Medicine, uh, last month here in October, um, actually that is this month as I'm recording it, Der. Okay, so um, they did a trial internationally in Poland, Norway, and Sweden, 84,585, okay? Uh, people were involved. With the study, and in this study, they invited two thousand uh, sorry twenty eight thousand two hundred and twenty two patients in the fifty five through sixty four age range bracket for to get a colonoscopy. Invited, important note, invited twenty two thousand people uh, for to get a colonoscopy. Okay, and fifty six thousand three hundred sixty five people. To participate in the usual care group. Now, uh, I am not familiar with the guidelines uh, for colonoscopies or colorectal cancer screening in N- Poland, Norway, and Sweden, and the Netherlands, by the way. I did not mean to uh, to cut those people out in in the Netherlands, uh, but. Uh, they were they were designed to do the usual care group, the usual care provided in those countries for colorectal cancer screening. I'm assuming that means standard care with FIT testing uh, and some of the uh, more uh, DNA-based testing protocols, fecal occult bloods, etc. And uh, they did not go into details in this study. So they followed up for ten years. There were no major perforations or screening-related deaths, but the the results were quite surprising and to they you know people expected this study to show that colonoscopies performed far superior superior than kind of the less aggressive care well at 10 years the risk for colorectal cancer okay was 0.98 percent in the invited group and 1.2 percent in the usual care group with a risk reduction of about 18%, right? So the number needed to screen to undergo uh, colonoscopies to prevent one case of colorectal cancer was 455, okay? Now, the risk of death from colorectal cancer, sorry, my wife is texting me, sorry if you heard the beep. The risk of death from colorectal cancer was 0.28% in the invited for colonoscopy group and 0.31 in the usual care group, which, as you can imagine, was not statistically significant. So there, a little bit of a little bit of kind of uh, backlash came hard and swift from a lot of American gastroenterology associations, uh, basically overhyping this study and that the study was bad, etc., blah 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 blah. There are some big caveats though that I wanted to talk about: the fact that this colonoscopy study really underperformed uh, compared to the usual care in these European countries. So background information, and that is we have pretty good studies of colorectal cancer screening with other entities, right? Uh, FIT testing, okay, fecal immunochemical testing. I don't know why I said FIT testing. That's like ATM machine because the M stands for machine. Okay. Anyways, we have pretty good data on FIT. We have pretty good data on uh, you know cancer DNA based stool study testing, we have pretty good data on sigmoidoscopies, right? Now, in the past, based on limited cohort studies, colonoscopy it was estimated to have an associated forty to sixty nine percent decrease in s- the incidence of colorectal cancer. Why? Because you'd be catching more polyps before they became colon cancers, and so you'd snip them out thereby preventing colon cancer in the first place, and because you could catch them at an earlier stage and remove them more aggressively or easier, um, and you were having earlier detection and better detection than some of the other tests, presumably, right? That's the, the whole idea behind a colonoscopy. You would get, uh, these cohort studies showed a 29 to 88% decrease in the risk of death from the disease of colorectal cancer from, colon, from colonoscopies. Now, This study obviously showed a much different picture, right? Only an 18% reduction in colorectal cancer compared to usual care and non-statistical significant reduction of death. There is really, really, really important uh, caveats to know in this study. And number one is the fact that it was an invitation to screen, okay? And in European countries, it is not nearly as common to get a colonoscopy. And in fact, uh, in this study, they talked about how in the trial data, especially in Poland, for example, some of the only people that routinely choose or opt to go through colonoscopy uh, are people with high risk, right? Strong family histories that are more at risk. And so in this study, because, uh, you know, people had very, you know, I guess no major preconceived notions of colonoscopy or its benefits because it's not part of the culture— only 42% of those offered colorectal screening in the cancer in the study actually underwent colonoscopy only 42% in the United States you know our rates are closer to 70 plus percent in a lot of areas right um, and so this isn't really a real world scenario for how it works in the United States because i mean not quite half but you know just barely over half of the normal opt in rate than what we get in a normal population okay uh, number 2 one theory also is that the benefit to colonoscopy isn't going to be seen really at 10 years it's going to be seen long term because you're going to take a, it's going to take a lot longer for those small little polyps to develop into colorectal cancer and so only a 10 year follow up isn't long enough you need at least 15 20 25 years right and this trial is going to go on and and report at 15 years and and past that so right there is some like maybe this will impact data maybe the data will look better However, this study really questions the United States' big push towards colorectal cancer screen with grade A quality evidence for colonoscopies as the first line, right? And we've talked in this podcast, too, about, you know, we can now safely offer, you know, these uh, stool-based testing uh, as the fit testing uh You know, the DNA-based samples, we use ColoGuard here in my office, right? Not to promote any brands, right? Um, but compared to fit testing, right? This study at least doesn't show as much of a benefit as you'd expect for the cost and the necessary intervention, right? The prep, the time off of work, etc., that fit allows you to avoid, right? Some of the DNA-based stool studies allow you to avoid this kind of detail. Additionally, right, it begs the question, are we really getting our bang for our buck with colonoscopies versus sigmoidoscopies, right? In other countries, sigmoidoscopies are far more common than colonoscopies. And yet in the United States, uh, because colonoscopies are incredibly lucrative and very successful, uh, we've always just assumed that based on cohort studies that in randomized control trials, we'd see the same type of benefits. But we absolutely did not see this in this randomized control trial. There was one other argument that I saw, which actually does have some merit. And I've actually talked to a friend of mine who uh, does colonoscopies regularly. And that is the, the quality of the colonoscopist, right? The physician performing the colonoscopy does make a big difference. For every one percentage point in the increase in adenoma detection rate is associated with a 3% reduction of future incidence of colon cancer and a 5% reduction in colorectal cancer-related deaths. So if you have a endoscopist that is very good at finding adenomas and removing adenomas right before they become cancer, that greatly improves, greatly increases, greatly improves the value of that colonoscopy. In this trial, only, uh, sorry, in this trial, about 30% of the people performing endoscopies had a detection rate below the minimum recommended threshold of 25%. Now, again, that's picked out of the air, but that's kind of the standard of care. And in the United States, the rates tend to be a lot higher than that. We find more adenomas. Uh, Again, the better you are, the more colonoscopies you do. The, more, the better you are at the procedure. That is just a technical uh, process and that's, that's well documented in the medical literature. Um, and I will tell you that um, this is something that my friend who does colonoscopies uh, also says is very important, that you need to do a good quality prep. You need to be able to see the tissue you are working with and you need to have a skilled person doing the procedure because it makes a big impact on not only cancer rates but also death improvement in mortality rates. And so this study also validates that as well. Um, so maybe that, that that these were done in countries where you know their endoscopists aren't as practiced, don't do as many. That's a little uh, Americanocentric, I think, defense of colonoscopies. Uh, I think that's a, a little weak. Um, this was a randomized controlled trial and it failed compared to standard of care. Uh, Again, for those international listeners, are probably not going to be surprised by this. In most other countries, colonoscopies are not the first line, right? Um, I believe in the United Kingdom uh, and uh, a lot of Europe, uh, FIT testing, uh, DNA-based stool studies are the first line um, with sigmoidoscopies as a close second um, or sigmoidoscopies are the follow-up test if one of those FIT testing is positive. I think that's the British um, recommendation, if I remember right. And um, so colonoscopies, again, are a very americanocentric uh principle and again i have a very strong bias that i think that it is heavily driven because colonoscopies are so lucrative not only to physicians but also to hospitals and outpatient uh cancer screening centers right in my organization everything is done at the hospital but there's a ton of outpatient gi docs and outpatient um, endoscopists that make all of their boat payments and multiple house payments because they own the facility that does the colonoscopies. They do the colonoscopies. Their partners are the ones doing the anesthesia if anesthesia is required. And they all keep all that money in house and it's quite lucrative. So again, I would be very interested to see see a randomized control trial where it's not standard care in these European countries versus 42% screen, right? versus 100% screen, right? That would be the better trial. And hopefully we see that better trial. And hopefully we see this in the United States where randomized control trials about people opting in or opting out. Again, that can also get kind of messy because people that opt in are probably more likely to have higher risk features, um, family history, etc. maybe more at risk. Um, so maybe that's not the best test to do in the United States. Um, and I, again, I don't think you'd pass an IRB at this point, given the United States um, fascination and and focus on colonoscopies for colon cancer screening, it would be very hard to pass that through an IRB. I can guarantee you that that'll be a really difficult study to get past in the United States. Again, hopefully uh, our European colleagues can help us with this, um, but also uh, big note that colon cancer rates are tend to be higher in the United States as well um, due to diet and obesity. Yay, America. Okay, um, I think that's enough for the topic. Uh, my take home is as of this moment, I'm still gonna follow guidelines and still gonna recommend colonoscopies I'm not gonna push for colonoscopies versus uh, stool-based studies, FIT testing, uh, Cologuard testing, uh, nearly as, maybe as heavily as I would in the past. Um, Again, it's only one study. It's not a great study because I talked about all the limitations. I don't know that it's gonna change my practice, but maybe not make me be as, you know, jumping on the party line about um, uh, pushing for colonoscopies over other tests. Um, And I think a lot of my patients have uh, opted for the other testing versus colonoscopies when I present them with the options and give them some of the details. So um, hopefully this was a helpful look at this study. Um, it's a good kind of sobering maybe realization that colonoscopies are not going to be better than sigmoidoscopies. Maybe in 10 years, we're going to look back and be like, oh my gosh, why did we do so many colonoscopies? Ridiculous, United States. What were you doing? And we'll be all switched to you know DNA testing, fit testing, et cetera. Maybe we'll all be on uh, sigmoidoscopy plan by then. Um, Again, we just started doing colonoscopies earlier, 45. Maybe it's going to be a a gigantic cost disaster. We talked about that in a previous episode about the cost increase. Um, I am interested to see what the future looks like for colon rectal cancer screening because I can guarantee you 10 years from now will not look the same. Um, I would be very surprised if it looks the same 10 years from now. Um, I'm excited to see more studies. I'm excited to see uh, the future of colorectal cancer screening. I hope you are too. I um, hope this was a great discussion an interesting look at the future of colorectal cancer screening and maybe some of the pros and cons. Um, this has been Dr. Mark List for the Primary Care Podcast. Reminder, you don't need to stay up all night. Stay up to date. Thanks. God bless you. Have a great week.